came up, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I struggled with the name uh, because I couldn't figure out what to do, it, and so I called it this. This is connected to that, and I'll try, I'm going to have to spend the whole lesson kind of explaining to you what I'm talking about, but today I'm going to talk to you about God's will. And this is a, it's a, it's a hard subject because I, my job now the next few minutes is to make you care about God's will because I think a lot of us don't always care about God's will. We care about our will a lot. We care about how I feel. If I'm cold, I try to warm myself up. If I'm sad, I try to get something that makes me happy. If I am... Um, if I'm lonely, I try to find people to surround myself with and to bring those people into my life. And so it's, it's important to understand why we have to care about God's will and sitting in God's will and being in God's will. Why do we do that? So this week as we start this new series, the next number of weeks, uh, I believe what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do we better understand what God's plan is for our life. And not only how do we understand it, how do we join with it? How do we walk in it? How do we make ourselves home in God's will? Because a lot of us, if you were to ask, be asked the question, you would stammer and you would stutter and you'd go, I, uh, what is God's will for me? I don't know. Well, Wade, Wade succinctly said that I said last week that it is to worship the Lord. That's, of course, a big thing. It's a huge thing. It's an important thing. But what's more important today is to know what, <laughs> when it comes to the day-to-day -day things. And so whether you're here today and you're just starting out, whether you're here today and you're thinking about getting married whether you're here today and you've been married for a long time, whether you're here today and you're wondering about starting a family or whatever it is you're in, or if you're here today and you're 90 years old or older and you're thinking about what is God's will for my life today, I believe that God has a very uh, succinct thing that he wants to send you home with this day. So, Let's talk about that. Let's talk about this, this thing called God's will. What is God's will for my life? It's a question some of us have, and some of us probably have thought about it at least once. What, what does God want me to do? And then we dismiss it, and we go on with our lives. And we do many, 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 many things without really consulting God. We make major life choices. We... We date people who we, we don't even ask God about what does he want me to do. We fall in love with people, and sometimes we just let our heart lead, which the Bible says is destructive, and it's, it's wicked. But we let our heart lead. And so it's very important to understand that, that as, as people who love God, how do we bring ourselves in line with what the manufacturer when he made us, how do we bring ourselves in line with what it is he designed us for? And I believe he designed each one of us in, in this place with a very distinct purpose. My brother happens to be here today, and I was thinking about this today, about how God made us two different people. He loved, he could live in the woods. He could live outside all day long. I don't like to, I mean, I, I, my idea of outside is, you know, going to a cabin and, and looking out the windows and going, oh, look, it's beautiful out there today. 
My brother likes to sit in deer blinds. He likes to shoot things. He likes to, and, and it's just, what a difference how God made us two different people. He can make things. If I make something that crumbles, he makes something that stands for years. He made us different. So God has a plan for each one of us. And each one of you here have a distinct plan that God has for you. And it's important that you walk in it. It's important that you know it. It's important that you find it. And if you don't, you will be a round peg in a square hole. And that is a problem for us. Um, So why do I need to care? Why do I need to care about what God's will is? Because I believe when God made us... (laughs) As I said, he made us for this, this specific plan, and if we don't figure it out, we, we find ourselves in trouble. This past Christmas, I was down at my grandson's and grandbaby's Christmas, and they got all these toys that needed to be put together. And so, of course, as the, the consummate grandpa, I'm sitting there grabbing one of them, and we're over there looking at how to take the toys and put them together and how to, how to make them together. And I'm, I, that, I can do that. So we're putting it together, and this piece goes here, and this piece goes here, and we get pretty much to the end of it, and like there's all these pieces left over. Oh, I've been able to go back and consult the, the directions. And Grandpa, why didn't we do that? Well, I just thought we could do that. You know, I thought we could. And that's the way we do our life. That's the way we do our life. And we don't get a lot of second chances sometimes in life because we, we put these pieces down, and we forget about the instructions. We forget that God has a, has a very distinct thing that he wants us to do. So why should I care about it? You care about it because when, when he made you, he made you specifically to, to do specific things in specific people's lives. And if you don't do them, the question I would say to you today is this, who's going to do them? Who's going to do them? And so it gets missed in somebody's opportunity to see who God is or to see God's light shine brightly in their life gets missed because you don't know what God's will is in your life. I wrote down some things that people have asked me over this last year about God's will. One, one person uh, came in and said, uh, I've been dating this guy for, for 15 months and I'm just not sure he's the one I'm supposed to marry. How can I tell, Jeff? How can I tell if this guy's for me? That's, in essence, that person saying, what's God's will for my life? You know, I, I'm not sure that I have the answer, but I know there's a template, and it lies in here. The template lies in here about this, the, the specifics of that. Another person says, hey, I have an opportunity to be a part of a new business. Would you just pray for me? Because I'm not sure it's God, what God wants, but it, it's a lot of upfront money, and I might have to take it out of our, our retirement, and I'm not sure it could be a gamble, and so would you pray? That, that, that's a person asking what's God's will for my life. There's another person came in and said, hey, we're thinking about starting a family, but maybe... Honestly, maybe we should just adopt. We don't want to bring another kid into this mess. The economy's a mess. The world's a mess. The country's divided. You know, why, why do we want to bring another child into it? It's another way of saying, what is God's will for my life? Most of us kind of want to know. We kind of want to know. Not Maybe not all the time, but we kind of want to know, what does God want for us? What does God want for us? It's important to figure that out. It's so very important. So today and the next, I don't know, five, six weeks, 
we're going to look at the life of Joseph. I've been, we've been uh, all over the New Testament probably the last six months. And I was looking at all my scriptures and different things that I've been talking about. Most of them have been landed in the New Testament. So we're going we're gonna to do a flip and we're going to go to the Old Testament. And we're going to start in Genesis chapter 37. And the, the cool thing about this is I was reading through this again. I read all, all the chapters, 37 through 48. And it's, it's the life of, of, of Joseph. And we see that Joseph gets a lot of airtime. He gets a lot of play in the Bible. And so there must be something that he has for, for us, the church, to take a hold of. Because he, the, the, the Bible devotes all those chapters to Joseph's life. And so that's what we're going to talk about the next several weeks. We're going to talk about God's will. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about uh, Joseph's dreams. And, and, and dreams, uh, what, what does that look like? What does that mean? What, what are we talking about when we talk about dreams? So the Bible says that uh, God uh, gives all of us dreams for our life. Not the kind of dream that some of you have here today. You know, I'm going to dream I, I want to grow up and be a football player. I, I have a dream I want to marry a, a beautiful uh, husband or a great, beautiful wife or whatever. That, that, that's, not the, that's not the kind of dream. He gave Joseph a dream that was very specific, but very muddled. Very, very muddled. My goodness, it was a messy dream. It's a dream that's somewhat a blurry picture of what God's will for his life was. Some of you probably dream, and some of you don't dream at all. I, I barely ever dream, and when I do, they're, they're the most whacked out things I've ever heard or seen, and so I don't even talk about them. On the other hand, my wife, she dreams, and when she dreams, I, I, take, I take and listen, because her dreams always have something that I need to think about or something she needs to think about specifically. They're not usually for other people. They're always usually for her. But she tells me them, and, and, and they're just so absurd sometimes. And I, there's three or four people in our church that will constantly tell me about dreams that they have. And is this God? Is God saying something to me? And my answer is they're very educated. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. But you know what? You better write it down. You better write it down. You better see what God has. Because when God gives dreams, they're not time sensitive. They're always things that maybe start out very small and then they little bits and pieces kind of come. Remember, it took, it took almost 23 years for Joseph's dream. When, he, when we're going to meet him today, he's 17 years old. And all the way back, it, it's, it's, he's, he's like 40 years old by the time we, by, by we meet him in chapter 48. So 23 years elapsed in his life. So a good chunk of his life, he's still trying to figure out God's will for his life. And he's walking in God's will for his life. So God gives him this blurry dream. Now let's get to a couple things and then we'll get right into it. Uh, back, uh, let's see, maybe not there. Let's, let's go, go, go f uh, forward, please. Nope, one more. I think, uh, yep, nope, back. Sorry. Back one more. Back one more. Back one more. Oh, there it is. <laughs> God's revealed will. We want to know who to marry, what car to buy, what job to take. That's, that's his revealed will. That, that's something that it, un, it unfolds as we live our lives. 
That's called the revealed will. That's the, that's the place where most of us live. Who, who's the person I should marry? Who's the person that, uh, what, what, what am I supposed to do tomorrow? I want to know God. That's his revealed. It, it comes out. And, and that is one of the hardest things to figure out. It is, it is a hard thing as a Christian. But then go back to the, the next one. Back, you keep going back. Yep, God's specific will. Here's the problem. There's a very specific will laid out in the, in, in the directions here. And, and here's, here's the trouble with God's will. God's will is very specific. It, it, he's, he, wants us to, it, he wants us to look at how we treat people. And so it's in here. He wants us to forgive people. It's in here. He wants you to read his word. It's in here. He wants you to pray on a daily basis. It's in here. He wants you to, to be able to, to give your time and your effort and your monies to other people. It's in here. You don't have to go looking for it. It's in here. Okay? That's his, his, his specific will. You can find it here. But most of us want the other. We want, this, we want the revealed will before we do this. And my point is to you today is if you don't do this, turn to the next one, you don't, you're not going to find that out. You're not going to find that out. They go hand in hand. It's so important. When we look at our specific circumstances, we think, hey, I must be missing God's will here. I must be missing the things that he has for me. So what ends up happening is I say things like this. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And if I'm not happy, then I'm out of, you know, what, what's God's will? God wants me happy, right? Doesn't God want me happy? He, he wants me to be happy in order to, for me to be happy, then God, my circumstances need to change. I need to have Mr. Right, not Mr. Right now. I, I need to have the, the things in my life that, that all line up. And if I don't, I'm not going to be happy. And here's what I want to say to you. God may be saying to you today, if you're sitting there and you're saying that, God may be saying, actually, my child, my will for you right now is where you're at to give thanks in the midst of what you're going through. To give thanks in what you're going through. This is related, this is connected to that. There's the title. This is connected to what you're going through right now. What you're going through right now, God wants you to give praise no matter how cruddy it is. He wants you to give praise. And he wants you also to look at his specific will. And to look at the thing and say, what are the things that he's called me to do, that he's showed me to do, that I'm not already doing? And then maybe the car that I need to buy, or the house, or the job, or the guy, or the, they'll line up. Here's what a lot of us do. You see, we pray for God's specific will in an area, and when, when we violate his re reveal will in the same way, then what happens is, we negate it. 
And, and, and God's going, but I gave you the instructions. But I want to know what you want, God. What do you want for me? All right, go back to the beginning. See, this is the primer. This is the beginning part of how we do this today. Let's look at Genesis 37. Now, finally, we'll go to that one. Sorry, I messed up. Go to Genesis 37. Here we go. Let's read. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought the father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Israel, by the way, is his daddy. That's Joseph's daddy, Jacob, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him, the coat of many colors. Most of you, all of you have probably heard of that. Okay, next, next thing. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. This is a great one, guys. You're going to love this. We were binding sheaves out of the grain in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Yay! Aren't you excited about that? You know, there's a problem. <laughs> there, there's, let's start at the beginning, okay? There, there's some big picture stuff and there's some little picture stuff. We got we to get into this. Here's the big picture stuff. You know, there's a problem when you've got a favorite wife, when you've got too many wives, and you got, when you've got a favorite one. There's a problem right off the bat, okay? He says his favorite wife, okay? It's kind of sister wives vibe. Anybody do the sister wives thing? Yeah, you shouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. Sister, I got sucked in because my wife did, okay? Gosh. That's horrible. The first, the first session I looked at, I go, this is going to be a train wreck. <laughs> it's a train wreck. It's never going to work. Four wives, okay? Jacob had four wives, too. This is a problem. The problem is he's, he's got a, a dysfunctional family. Anybody else here have a dysfunctional family? Yes. So one day, the Bible says that Jacob had a, a specific gift made for Joseph, a beautiful, ornate robe. But the brothers, they hated it. They hated it. Joseph became uh, their father's favorite, and the rest of them couldn't stand it. I got a feeling there's some of you in here, you live in a family where there is a favorite. Maybe you are the favorite. It's a little bit tough. It's a tough, it's a tough thing when that is blatant. But that's the life he lived in. One night, the Bible says that Joseph had a dream. And it's a muddled, weird, specific dream. And, And you talk about... It just, it, it made no sense, not for right then. And what in the world is going on? Here he is in this, this, this messed up household with all these wives and he's, he's got dysfunction going on in his house. And in the middle of all this chaos, in the middle of all this drama, God gives Joseph this dream and he told his brothers about it. And they, they couldn't even stand him at all. Verse 7 says, he said, we're out in the field and we're, 
were, were tying up bundles of grain and suddenly my bundle stood up to your bundles and all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And the brothers responded, so you think uh, you're going to be our king? Really? Really? You're going to be our king? So Joseph, then the Bible goes on right after that and he has another dream. <laughs> and this dream is even worse than that. And so uh, he's, he's, I, I can't imagine having to go tell your brothers this second dream and the, this dream was even worse. This time he told the dream to his father and he told his dream to his brothers and, and they, they were so upset with him they wanted, to, they wanted to kill him. So he has this dream from God, this specific it wasn't like, you know, I want to grow up and be a football player. This was God gave him this dream. What do you do that? What do you do with that? What can we learn from Joseph? What can we learn from Joseph and the story of Joseph? And I, I, I'm giving you a primer today, so you've got to come back the next couple of weeks in order to, to keep going on this because that's what's important. Okay, let's, let's take this out. What do we learn from this just little bit of this story about Joseph's life today? First thing we learn, the screen, you can put it up on there. God's will, will will always overcome your messy reality. God's will will always overcome whatever mess you find yourself in. If you find yourself here today from a dysfunctional family that raised you dysfunctionally, that raised you not to be um, in God's uh, presence to not to not to do what God has called or they raised you in God's presence but they were all kind of still weird God has a word for you today and that word is this he can use you in spite of the mess that you find yourself in no matter the thoughts that are going through your head no matter the things that you're thinking about on a daily basis there's a sense in which we think to experience God's will we have to have perfect circumstances. Guys, there will never be perfect circumstances in which you find yourself. No family has perfect circumstances. There's nothing about Scripture that would teach that God can use, can, cannot use your broken down life. God always used broken down clunkers. He uses clunkers all the time in such incredible ways. Jacob was a mess, and he still used him. Have you ever looked around at your life and think, well, I want God's will for my life, but it's too late. I messed up. I didn't, I didn't marry the right person. It's, I didn't go the right career choice. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. You know, God, like God can't work with, <laughs> with things or material or people who are somehow flawed. Guys, that's God's speciality. If God was a chef, he, he is the perfect chef of taking people who are so messed up and so broken and so in need of repair and using them. My goodness, what a chef he is. See, Joseph is, is growing up in this dysfunction of hatred where his brothers hate him. And some of it's like, you know, I don't know if I'd like him either if that was my brother. 
And, and here he is, and he's, he's, he's worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wife, Bilhah and Zilpah, two of the four sister wives again, and, and two other wives. Oh, yeah, the two others. He had Rachel and Leah. Remember Rachel and Leah? You remember that story? I'm just going to tell it to you real quickly because it's too long to go into, but here's the basics of this. Some of you have heard this story of how Jacob fell into love with Rachel. The Bible describes her saying that she was lovely in form and beauty. Whoa. Bible never talks about that very much. Doesn't talk about physical descriptions of people, but she was a beaut. She was a looker, Rachel was, and he fell in love with her. Already had two wives sitting at home, but he fell in love with another. Here she is. Okay? All right. And then there's Leah. The sister, the sister, the Bible says about this. This is the best compliment it gives Leah. She had weak eyes. The best thing you can say about somebody is she had weak eyes. What? Weak eyes. That's a compliment. That's an ouch. So the Bible says that Jacob wants to marry Rachel. And he gets tricked into marrying Leah. And if you're wondering if there was alcohol involved, yes, there was. There was alcohol. The Bible says in the morning, <laughs> Jacob wakes up expecting to find Rachel, and there was Leah. Oops, yeah. He was expecting Rachel, but he ends up marrying this other girl. Oh, my. What challenges. What, what messes. Can you relate a little bit in your life to some of the choices you've made? Can you? Have you made some choices like that that you wish you could just take back? You just get that back and you just can't. Here's the point. Jacob's life was messy and Joseph found himself in this dysfunctional family because his father had violated God's will in specific areas. It did not disqualify Joseph. It didn't disqualify him to do what God had intended for him to do. It didn't matter how much of a screw-up he was. You, know, you, you read about polygamy in Scripture, and never once is it held up, never once is it approved or affirmed by God. Never, not one time. God clearly had said his will for marriage was this. God says, here's my will. Here's my specific will. Here's what it is. It's, it's, it, it's this. It's, here, here's, here's what I want you to know about about marriage. And listen to this. Anybody that's thinking about getting married, think about this. Anybody who, who has people that, that are of the same sex, think about this when you listen to God's will. A man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife and the two will become one. God said, this is my will. And every time it will be violated, it creates problems. It creates problems. Sister wives never will work. Two people of the same sex will never, ever work. It will not. It's against his will for the design of the people that he created. Jeff, that's really not 
very nice. Okay, but it's in the instructions. The original manufacturer. I just want you to hear this morning this, that God's will can overcome your imperfect parents. God's will can overcome your angry mom or your absent father or your manipulative stepmom, and you can rise above it and be much, much more than you ever thought or dreamed. Here's a good thought. I think this should be on the screen maybe. Tom, let's see if we can find it. God's will, yeah, God's will will never see, nope, keep, keep going. I think, I put, nope, back, out of, man, I screwed up today. Let's try this. God's will, nope, yeah, there, 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 that was it. God's will will make a way. That's it. That's what I want to say. God's will will always make a way every time. Every time God, his will will make a way. It does not disqualify you from what God wants to do. We can have faith that he can take the broken pieces and he accomplishes good things from it. Number two, now number two, sorry. It's not Tom's fault, this is my fault, okay? God's will never seems to be in a hurry. I won't go as long with these two, okay? Here we go. God's will never seems to be in a hurry. We'll see this constantly in the life of Joseph, but he is 17 in this dream. And as I already said, it took 23 years, 23 years for the end of that to, to all come to fruition. This blurry picture would finally come into focus in his life. Who here likes to wait? Nobody. We don't want to wait on nothing because we live in such a zoom, boom, fast society. Get it now. My mom and her generation, they hate all this fast stuff and I understand why. It hasn't made us more efficient. It's made us more busy and more preoccupied and more, you name the word what it is. But I don't know if it's made us better. Joseph's great-grandfather even go way, way far back. So I want, I want to go in the family tree. Just for a second, I want to show you. It just wasn't Jacob that was messed up. It was the one that, that is the father of all of, of the people that, uh, that are in Israel. Abraham's, Abraham was his great-granddaddy. And he found himself in the same position that Jacob did. And guess what? Jacob went ahead and found himself in that same position. Abraham uh, is the Abraham and Isaac guy. Remember him? Okay, so he, here, here he is. If, if Jacob is messed up, even poor Abraham was too. God had promised to Joseph and his great-grandfather Abraham that what he was going to do, he said, I'm going to make you a father of a mighty nation. You're going to be a father of a mighty nation. In Genesis 15, verse 5, the Lord took Abraham outside and he said to him, look up in the sky and I want you to count the stars and as every star that you see there, those are going to be the descendants that you're going to have. And God said, look, here's my will for you, Abraham. Here it is. 42 generations later, all the way back in Matthew, we talked about this at Christmas. Jesus is going to be born. And so God looks around and he says, okay, I'm going to start a nation with you. So who do I use to start this nation? Oh, I know. That elderly barren couple over there. That's who I'm going to start a nation with. And so Sarah in chapter 16 of Genesis decides that God needs a little bit of help. That God needs some help. And so Sarah, God-fearing Sarah, what she does is she does 
the best thing she knows what to do. And so she takes and she takes God's will and she gives it a, she gives it a really big start. And so this is what she does. She knows she's not getting any younger, and she doesn't see any way that God could use her to do what God wants to do in her. So what she does is something very, very heinous. She says, the Lord is, Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having kids. And so she says, Abe, short for Abraham, I want you to go and I want you to sleep with my maidservant. Go sleep with this younger maidservant, and perhaps I can build a family through her trying to make something happen. And I, they lost faith. They lost faith waiting. That's the, that's the point I want to get to you. If you're here and you're in the waiting stage, don't get tired of waiting. You're waiting to get married. You're waiting to have a child. You're waiting to do whatever it is. Don't get tired. Don't try to jumpstart God's will for your life. It won't work out so well. And so old Abe just kind of goes, okay, okay, you want to you get? He said, goes and goes over and he takes part. And the maidservant's name's Hagar and their son is named Ishmael. And I want you to see, the reason I bring this story in is I bring it in not to convolute this, this story that I'm talking to you about, but I want you to see the consequences, Okay of one decision by one family, by Sarah and Abraham. Here's the decision. Here's the consequences. Ishmael became the father of the Arab nations. Sarah became pregnant, giving birth to Jacob. Jacob, of course, became the father of Jewish nations. And 4,000 years later, these two are still fighting. They're lobbing missiles back and forth at each other. 4,000 years later, because of a choice that Sarah made, go sleep with a maidservant. I want you to see that there's consequences, the choices that some of you here are making today. And they don't just sit here today. They will affect your kids and your kids and your kids and your kids. And it will go, and it will go, and it will go. Number three, number three. We're just about done. I know I'm wound up today. Here we go, number three. Understanding God's will may upset the people in your life, okay? When you understand God's will for your life and you start to walk in it, you start to live with it, you start to say, okay, this is what God wants for me. Just like Joseph, he tells the dream, he just puts it out there. God gave it to him, he puts it out there, and it angers all these guys around him, all these brothers, and they want to kill him. See, I, I think that's going to happen to you too. If you really live out your faith, it's going to anger people around you. This is a hard one to talk about in this, in this series because we want to be obedient to God's will. And I'm going to try to make somebody happy. So what we try to do oftentimes is we try to make everybody happy and what we end up doing is making nobody happy. And when the one that we're really supposed to be being, making happy is not ourselves, but is God. See, our job is to make God happy, to worry about whether he's content, not about whether I'm happy, but that's what we've taken this life and we made it all about my internal happiness. I'm not getting what I need 
So how do we respond to God's will? Real quickly, I got four things up here. Here they are. And if you don't have these, you can go to our Facebook page. All this is on there. One is the no way way. The no way way. Okay? What I mean by this is where we live in rebellion. God says, I I want you to go left and we go right. And that's where a lot of people are today. Hopefully that's none of you. Hopefully you're not you're not in all-out rebellion. You know that there, there's some of you know that some things in your life that are not right and you're still doing it. I'm not talking, you're, you're in rebellion, but you're not in all-out rebellion. You're just kind of, maybe you respond halfway. That's the second one. You respond halfway. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, there, there's some of God and there's some of me. There's some of God, there's some of me. I'll do some of me, I'll do some of God. And I'll mix it all together, and I'll mush it all together, and I hope that it works right. The number three is my way approach, my way. This is what we see with Abraham and Sarah. Okay, God, uh, I'm, I'm going to do it. You're, I'm going to do your will, but I, I'm, I'm going to kind of insert myself in the process here. And lastly, there's God's way. There's God's way. And this requires, again, what Wade was talking about from, from me last week. It requires surrender. <laughs> it requires you saying, I give up. I give up. I can't do it. I can't tell you the ways and times in my life that have been the best times. They're always when I get out of the way and just say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I've taken this thing and I messed it up. I'm sorry that I've tried to to make my life or somebody else's life uh, this particular way. And to insert myself into these things when all it really needs to be inserted is your Holy Spirit. When really all I need to do is get in alignment with you and your will. And then it becomes what it's supposed to be. God's will. We need to care about it. We need to get in it. We need to be a part of it. It needs to be a part of our daily life. What is the specific, what is revealed? I'm going to do the revealed and then the specific things will follow. Let's pray as the band comes. Jesus, um, I thank you for this story of Joseph and for a life of a 17-year-old boy that that changed the world. Because he was obedient to your will. And so God, I know that there's a room full. I know there's some people online today that if they take this seriously, this world will be a different place because they follow your will because your will was meant to take us exactly where we were supposed to go. This is all connected to that. So God, forgive us when we've inserted ourselves like Sarah. Forgive us when, like Jake, if we take another wife to be happy. Forgive us for the way that we've shown our children how not to live. We've shown them what's not important them when we're showing others in our life not you but us so we surrender again to you today through this time God use these next few minutes 
to correct us, to turn us around, and to realize that everything is connected, is connected to you and your will for our life. Even the hard things, especially.